Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloseted. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. Hey, closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloseted. And we're going to go down under. And what I mean by that is we're going to bring somebody from down under on, but he has been a lot of different things and he's broken through a lot of his own closet doors. Everything from being a, well, kind of like me, one of those chubby little kids who always battled the bulge to then being somebody in the fitness industry, but then hiding a secret about that taking some risks to move from his home countries of South Africa, moving to the Netherlands and then coming down under and always taking those risks, even if it meant becoming very minimalist in his life. We met a couple of years ago, actually just a year ago at Podcast Movement, and I've been on his and his partner's show called Ridiculously Human. Or I'm going to try to remember that one, Craig. I always screw that up, but his name is Craig Hagwood, and I love these guys, and I'm going to have his mate Gareth on again, and um, we're going to just kind of go through what went on for Craig as he went through everything. So thanks for being here, mate. I'm so glad to have you here because it's like middle of the day for you, and I'm just into my day. So um, Beautiful. It is beautiful. So Thanks um, for having me, Rick. I'm of excited course. to be and I do love your, you guys' podcast. So I'm going to put that plug out there right now. You awesome. guys who are listening, you've got to go find Ridiculously Human, the podcast. It'll, we'll have links on it um, on the show page to this. But the stories you guys tell are just amazing. I love it, love it, love it. So Thanks, Rick. Yeah, yeah. So let's kind of let's kind of talk about some of these interesting little closets. Um, so you and I have that commonality. Of course, you're in much better shape than I am, but <laughs> we were both those you know those young kids who were like, okay, well, I'm fighting this. It wasn't happy. I was overweight. And do you think that's kind of where the seeds got planted that you got to go do something bigger in life for you? Is that where you started really feeling it? It's interesting you ask it that way, Rick. I hadn't really thought of it that way, but probably yes. Um, I think when when you are young and you're overweight, you have to wonder like, what's the reason? One of the reasons is maybe your parents are and, and mine weren't. Uh, mm -hmm. So it was like, okay, what else is going on here? And actually my parents had a pretty rough relationship and, and probably still do. Um, there's a lot of unhappiness at home and uh, fighting and all that. And I think as the youngest in the family, I, I witnessed this and I, I think I took some of it on board and uh, had some kind of uh, responsibility issues around that. And, uh, and, uh, and I think I just internalized a lot of that and, um, and uh, I felt a little bit insecure about myself because mm -hmm. of whatever reasons, you know, that's probably just one of them. And, uh, and as a result, I just, I just got overweight and I had no I had no drive, you know, I just, mm -hmm. I just wanted to sit around and, and feel sorry for myself a lot of the time. That's so interesting. Cause as you're talking, I'm like, mm -hmm, I'm checking the boxes. I'm checking the boxes. I'm checking the boxes because, uh, I'm the oldest in the family and my parents, um, even to this day still have a lot of issues in their relationship. 
But through those most critical years, it was chaotic. I mean, like mm. just chaotic from, from alcoholism to infidelities, all that stuff. Mm. And I became the protector. I became the one to try to keep the peace in the house, so to speak. Uh. And as I did that, I lost so much of me in my childhood. And so, of course, then where did I go hide? Well, I hid in food and, you know, of course, there was this other little thing called I was a gay boy out in my body, too. But it just, it's so interesting to hear you say the kind of similar things because we do kind of hide behind stuff when we're in pain and when we're in shame and all that other stuff. And um, 100%. it makes it really tough. So what was that? I mean, besides just that, there was like you kind of like liked obscure music and all these other things. But when did you start to feel that turning point where suddenly you're like, okay, I can't be this chubby little boy anymore. I've got to do something more. What really started to change that for you? Well, it actually happened uh, at around, uh, I was probably around 13 or 14. So I, and, and I just, I think you start to become a little bit more self-aware. So when you're a real youngster, you don't, you don't really care about what other people think too much. I don't think you um, are in that frame of mind from that age. Right. But suddenly you get that, that point in your life where you're like, you know, you start seeing girls or whatever it is and, you, and you're a bit interested in you, and you start to look at yourself in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And I didn't necessarily like what I saw. And I, I actually remember making a decision. I was like, I'm, I'm just not that happy. And if, if I'm not going to be... If I'm not happy, what, what can you do about that? And one way I thought was just to lose weight. I, then I'd be accepted yeah. that way I'd be, have more buddies or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it, whether that's true or not is, is, is irrelevant because that's, what I, that's what I, where I felt. And so I decided to lose weight and I just watched my eating and I exercised a lot. I had a little home gym and I used to, I used to use weights that were attached to a broomstick like it was real makeshift. <laughs> <laughs> and I used to hit the, in the garage, I'd hit the weights um, there and, and yeah, and it just, I just felt, started to feel a lot better about myself. So the, I, I guess the message there was, you know, make a decision. Do you want to make a change? Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, do something about it at, that made, you, made me feel good. So my confidence levels did improve a lot. Yeah. And I don't, I think people, I started to engage with, with more people, but it wasn't necessarily because I had lost the weight. It's just because I sort of made that decision to be a little bit more confident, even though, mm-hmm. I wasn't necessarily a very confident kid, um, but I was more than I, you know, it was, it was better than I had been. And mm-hmm. that decision to do that, suddenly you allow other people into your life. So I had seen it as, oh, I've lost weight, people like me. But actually it was just because I'd become probably a nicer person, you know, or, or mm-hmm. something, other, so some other reason, you know. Yeah, well, I think there's a lot of self-loathing that comes along. And then when you're not happy with yourself, mm. if you can't face up to it, <laughs> then you project it out on everybody else. I mean, this is classical psychology stuff here, but I know for me, and it's just been in the last few months that I really have been struggling with the weight coming on. And I I can't, we can't figure it out because I Mm -hmm. eat pretty dang good. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. I consume my fair share of wine too, but (laughs) I eat pretty dang good. I get to the gym and then I suddenly realized as much as I go to the gym, I just, I don't enjoy it. I hate it. Yeah. And so if I show up hating it, and I didn't really have anything that had ever, nobody had ever really trained me on, okay, here's this stuff. And I'm like, okay, I'm tired of this. And then I had some foot injuries and I can't do my cardio stuff. So I'm like, all I was stuck with is, okay, I'm just doing the gym stuff. And I did start swimming and stuff, but it hit, I hit this point where it was like, boom, mm. this is enough. 
something's got to happen. And I decided, okay, I'm going to really start journaling what I'm eating. I'm going to get a trainer and I'm going to do something because I was finally ready to like, I'm going to face this fear of, I can't ever enjoy the gym. I'm going to face this fear of, I don't know how to do these exercises. I'm going to face this fear of, this is what I, I'm, I'm most afraid of, that something's going to happen to me or I'm going to injure myself. And I realized all of that fear is just excuses of why I can't mm. do something. And that's but, when but, the pivot happened for me. And I've been like, so into my exercising. And I mean, even this morning when I'm like, okay, I really don't want to go. And even once I got there, I'm like, I'm really not enjoying this today, but I'm like, you're going to do it. And I even would stop in some of the exercise. I'm like, okay, I got to 10. Do I really have to go to 15? I'm like, yes, you do. You just can take a little breath and you get those last five knocked out. So hundred percent. But you know what, Rick, I, what I feel with that is there's a few things there. Like, first of all, do you have to enjoy the gym? Like, mm-hmm. so do you even have to force yourself to enjoy it? Maybe there's something else that you, mm-hmm. that you could find that would just, like yep. motivate you to want to do it. So like linking your value of what you want to achieve with something exactly. that you find valuable. That's the first thing. And the second thing is like, um, just, you know, I think n- there's very few people that w- necessarily want to wake up at four in the morning, whatever it is, and mm-hmm. go and do something. But if you, once again, if you link it to that, the why and the, and the value system, you, you can find that, that, um, the drive, um, mm-hmm. you, because I think if you're constantly motivating yourself to want to go and do it, it's, yep. you run out of motivation. You can't yep. tell yourself every freaking day you can do this. You have to link it to a bigger picture, um, whatever that is, and that will get you out of bed in the morning to then go and do something that hopefully you find a little bit fun. Um, there has been a few people of late that I've spoken to um, and, and been in contact with, and my journey of health has been, you know, a really long journey. Still, I'm still right. learning to actually enjoy stuff. For example, I've learned, been learning how to juggle and silly things like that. But the funny thing is that I enjoy it because it's a real challenge and it's something different. And you've just done 10 minutes of exercise. Right. You know, it doesn't have to be hitting the weights in the mm-hmm. gym where you get to compare yourself to the super fit person next to you. And I think that can be quite damaging and, and not necessarily a great environment for self-image. Absolutely. And I see this happen not only in my own life, because I, I've been through this before. One of the things I love the most is I love spin class. And right now that is one thing I can't do because I've got this foot injury that if I put any pressure, but I went in this morning before that class started, before anybody was in there, because I used to teach it. I used to teach spin. And I love it. I love the music and all this stuff. And I'm actually considering getting back into it. And I thought, I'm going to just ride this bike for a few minutes while nobody's here where I'm not like feeling, you know, like, okay, I got to do whatever everybody else is doing, which I know as an instructor, I would always say that to people. If you can't do what we're doing, it's okay. If you can only turn the wheels this long, that's all right. If you can only go this fast, you do what you do. And so I got on the bike and I didn't have my cycling shoes because that's part of the problem right now. It's like, I can't even get my foot in the shoe. And I just started riding. I thought, okay, well, could I just sit here and ride? And still enjoy this without putting the pressure, but get the cardio, which I know in my head, you know, absolutely I could. But I had to like kind of go explore this with nobody else around and go, okay, I'm good. Now I know I can do this. And I've been doing stationary bike, but I really wanted to get on the spin bike because it's so different than (laughs) the stationary. There's just something (laughs) about that, you know. And you're right. It's you got to link it to your value. My value around this is I want to feel, I really just want to feel alive again. 
And I've been getting closer and closer because my trainer's amazing. I know I've never met the guy. It's all an online thing, nice. but every, you know, it's, it was really working. But I think for most people, when they get in these closets, you know, and they're yeah. afraid to make these bold moves that we talk about, it's because that's the piece that's missing. They haven't linked it to that thing that they really, truly value and that yeah. they really want. hundred percent. Mm -hmm. Well, well so, done for doing that. It's uh, it's a, that is a bold move in and of itself to make that decision and, and go with it and stick to it. You know, mm -hmm. that's, the, that's the hard part with these kinds of things. So what was behind your bold move to realize you guys, you and your wife were going to leave Europe and go all the way around the world to go down in under. What was behind that? Well, I think it started, Rick, that I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease in South Africa when we still lived there. Mm -hmm. And I'd been struggling with this on and off for, for some time. And uh, I, I just wasn't in a happy space necessarily physically, even though I was trying to be. And I was in a health industry. I am in the health industry. And I'd, I'd kind of hit a wall where... I felt I wasn't congruent with my message I was giving out to people, even though, so, so I'm a chiropractor for reference. Right. And as a chiropractor, you're kind of like preaching health, you're preaching, staying away from medicine if you can help it and all these kinds of things. And here I was unhealthy or, or really ill basically and taking medicine. So like, how can I preach to others? So I basically went on this journey of wanting to try and discover how, like, why is my body reacting mm -hmm. to itself or, you know, um, fighting itself. Like it's the yeah. most crazy idea to think of. So, um, I had friends in Europe moved to Europe. There's a lot of exposure to different thinking or thought processes there compared sure. to South Africa where it can be a little bit sheltered. So that was the first step. So Europe was great, learned a lot and grew a lot there. And, but ultimately we decided, you know, my wife and, and myself, our relationship was, it was, it was tough at times there. Um, I was working nonstop. We had earning pretty good cash, but it was like, I was working, she was at home most of the time. She didn't speak Dutch very well. Mm -hmm. And we just ended up having this, where we just were ships in the night, you know, like yeah. we just never connected. And I had an offer here and I said, you know what, let's do this. And so many of friends of mine had said, don't do it. What are you thinking? think about your future. It's a big move. You, you knock mm -hmm. yourself back financially by moving countries again. And, uh, and we were like, you know what, we just know that a change needs to happen. Mm -hmm. And, and on a superficial level, we were like, where's the sunshine. Right. <laughs> so that was also there. Uh -huh. <laughs> so you know, we, it's we, interesting, Craig, about what you just said. Yeah. I hope everybody caught it. That entire, just that little journey you just took us through is the exact same journey of somebody who's coming out of the closet. You're gonna do this thing, people are gonna say, you're crazy, what are you thinking? You could you know, lose your job, you could do this. What's on, how do you think you're gonna make this work? All this sort of stuff. It was such a beautiful example <laughs> of a completely different situation, but you're gonna go do that thing that somebody else says, you can't do, you can't be that, you can't make this crazy decision to be who you really wanna be, but you're still doing it. I'd never thought of it like that. Yeah. 
I knew you had. And as I'm sitting here listening, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to wait for the break in where I can say <laughs> this is the exact parallel. It was the exact same thing. And it's so beautiful. And that's why I love this podcast. And when I have these stories of, you know, when somebody like you comes on, because you just show it, you mirror it so much and mm. you took the risk. That's right. And it's, and it's good when you do, you know, um, and it's like anything I've realized more and more, like things build on one another or, or ideas build or thoughts build. And once you've done something like that, yeah. whether it's in your case, you know, coming out of the closet for the second time or, uh, right. <laughs> or like moving to ours or whatever it is, it gives you just that little bit more strength to try something a bolder the, the following time. And so you end up actually trying bolder and bolder things because you realize, okay, my life isn't over. Actually, mm -hmm. I'm quite happy. Thanks very much. And yeah. you know what I mean? And then you just, feel, you just feel like I should do more bolder things in my life and see what happens. Because generally speaking, when you're just cruising along, you just end up down the same road again. Yep. Yep. And it's interesting that you say that because this is the thing I see most often in my, in my practice is when, you know, it doesn't matter who I'm working with at this stage, but in the early days when I was only working with people coming out of the closet and they would start to go through that journey. And it's interesting because most of the people who come to work with me, they're standing on the precipice. They're like, okay, I know I want to do this, but I, I still got one foot back here, like in my past where I'm comfortable, but I'm right at the edge of the cliff ready to make the jump. <laughs> That's the typical client who works with me. They need that last little, I'm not going to push them into it, but I'm going to like, okay, guess what? I'm going to jump with you. And as we're jumping, we're going to build the wings. We're going to make this fly. happen for you. Right. <laughs> and what's so interesting is it's kind of the same thing you were just describing because that leap, you guys made the leap. You kind of knew what you were doing. You knew that some stuff needed to get fixed in not only in your life, in your relationship, in your happiness, in your own work environments, but you made the leap. Mm -hmm. And that's the big thing. That's that big, bold move. And then what you realized is, oh, well, I made that happen. Hmm. What's the next thing that's going to show up that I'm going to like question, 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 question. And yeah. then I'm going to go, hmm, I don't know. The fears are there, but really the fears are just excuses. The excuses are creating the fears. And then suddenly, no, I did this once. Let's do it again. Every time I've worked with a client, helping them come out of the closet, almost every time, I think I'm going to say every time because I can't even really think of one time it hasn't happened yet there's something else that they go and do immediately out of the closet, leave hmm. their jobs, lose some weight, take a big trip they've been wanting to take, decide they don't want to live where they're living because they've given themselves permission to realize I can do this. Hmm. I can do something I thought I couldn't do. Yeah. yeah it's really powerful. Yeah. yeah. So you get down under, <laughs> you've got this immune disease thing going on. People think you're crazy. And then what starts to happen for you? Uh, well, what happened was we, we got down here and not long before that I had decided I've been feeling good. I need to change my health. I need to get my shit together with my body. You know, like this was, but then as a chiropractor or someone in the health, you know that abundant health comes from within, not from without. Right. So I was trying to figure out like, what do I need to change within myself? Stop looking outwards and look inwards, but really look inwards, you know? And 
sometimes when you shift your, your surround, it forces you to shift something internally. And I think that was the subconscious or the subtext to the moving, you know, it's something, it's kind of a symptom of something else maybe sometimes. And so the shift actually, we, 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 I'd stopped the medication. I said, I'm, I'm, if you have the medication there, it's like a safety net, yep. you know? So I'm like, I'm done with this. If I'm, I'm going to stop. And I did, and I'm going to sort it out. And this is three years later now, and I'm feeling amazing. I've literally never felt better in my life. And I, so the shift did, the, the actual physical moving did something to help me shift something. I did it, obviously, this is over a period of, you know, 10 years that I'd been working right. on myself. But, but it, it, that was the biggest sort of shift. But arriving in Australia, you know, a one income, smaller, like a, a job that wasn't as uh, well paid. Right. And we ended up making our life just a little bit more simple. Um, and it's the best thing that ever happened because we had, we were in a little one bedroom apartment initially. Mm-hmm. Um, we had very little stuff and we've never been happier, you know, like yeah. walk on the beach that made me happy. You're not, mm-hmm. what can I go and buy with the money I've worked so hard for? Because I feel like I should go and buy something because right. now I've worked so bloody hard. So the whole, my whole idea around stuff and money and, uh, and meaning of life sort of started to change. And, and so literally moving to Australia was probably for me just what, and, and probably my wife, one of the best decisions we've ever made. Mm-hmm. I can totally relate to that because my husband and I moved to central coast and those who listen to this show know this, we moved to the central coast um, back at the end of 2018. And we went from like a 3000 square foot home to little under 1500 square foot. Mm. Two bedroom, not even two, not even true two bedroom. It's a master bedroom and a loft that one and a half over. Yeah, yeah, it doubles <laughs> over because it's got a bath and everything. So you can call it a two bedroom. But, and it's been amazing to watch what we don't need mm. because we just don't need anything. We don't miss it. In fact, we were in LA a couple of months ago and we had gone there for my husband's birthday and we went to a show and we were just hanging out and then we went to like a Korean health spa and we're like, yeah, we probably should do some shopping while we're here. Well, while he was asleep that next morning, I found some Cirque du Soleil tickets for a really good deal. And I thought, we're going to go do this. Now, the old Rick would have been like, well, if we do this, we won't have time to go get any shopping done and get some things we need. And I thought to myself, you know what I'm learning is I'm learning to enjoy the experience of life instead of the stuff of life. Hmm. And guess what? We didn't go shopping. (laughs) In fact, we got headed home and I'm like, well, I guess, you know, those things I thought I needed, which were like silly little things. Like I want some new colored socks because I don't have any. And I'm like, well, when the hell do I even wear colored socks? (laughs) Rarely, you know? Okay. I do still need my bike shoes, but that's okay. I'll find those when the time is right. But there really wasn't anything. And, you know, I said to my husband halfway home, I said, was there anything you really needed? Because the outlet malls are coming up, but you know, is there anything you really need? No. (laughs) The old Rick and George, we would have been like, Oh yeah, let's go buy. We need this and this and this. And I find it so refreshing to actually be able to ask myself the question from a powerful place. Do I need this? Hmm. And most of the time it's, and I yeah. love that feeling of buying stuff that I really want because it, okay. So now I'm going to sound like Marie Kondo, but it <laughs> brings me joy, you know, totally. it's been really interesting to watch that and see that happen. And it sounds like that's the exact sort of thing that you guys have. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you have to say I, when I buy things now, I think, will this add value 
in some way to my life. Mm-hmm. And if I can honestly say yes, then I'm like very happy to buy it. You know what yep. I mean? Yep. But if it's just like, like you say, for the sake of it, we just do so much of that in our lives. It's almost like a form of distraction from, from just actually taking a moment to think first and foremost, you know, like, okay, what do I actually want to do right now? Or is yep. it just a, a, like a sort of a time filler? Is it just filling up some time that I have now? Let's go mm-hmm. shopping. Mm-hmm. And more and more and more, I, I want to try and make many forks in the road and go, okay, I can do this or do this. Does this add value? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Do that. And then if you do that a thousand times a day, yep. you end up in a much better place down the track, you know? Mm-hmm. A really good example of this for me is um, just recently my phone, my phone contract is done. And so I get the option. I can buy the phone. I can keep leasing it the way I've been leasing it, or I can go get the new phone. I decided on buying it because there's nothing wrong with it. It works. Mm. I don't really need the latest Apple phone because I don't, I, okay. I kind of geek out on stuff like that, but <laughs> I couldn't even tell you why the new one is any better. So I, I just kind of like, okay, do I need this again? The old Rick would be like, Oh yeah, God, yes. Let's get the newest one, you know? hundred percent. And because I'm starting to see this more and more and more, it gives me that space to go, okay, because I didn't do that. Now, what do I get to go do? There we go. Yeah, exactly. Not, not what do I get to have or what do I need to have? It's what do I get to go do now because I didn't spend that money there. And it's not always about money. You know, sometimes it's like, wow. And I I had this conversation with a client this week. It was so interesting because she was really struggling with, you know, I just, I need to get, I need to get more minimal. I'm like, okay, well, first of all, we're going to change the word need. (laughs) I desire to get to be more minimal. (laughs) And as she was talking, she's like, oh, maybe if I realize that I don't spend so much time getting stuff, I'll have more time. And I thought that that was a very poignant observation she made. When we think about how much time we spend going to accumulate stuff and I'm not, I'm not knocking anybody who loves to shop. That's your thing. That's your thing. But how much time do we spend in that mode of doing that? I'm to the point where if I can't walk in a store and walk out in like 15 minutes, I don't need to be there. It's like, let me get in, get out get what I need. Now I'll flip that around and go, now don't take away my time at the farmer's market because I enjoy that. I love walking through the farmer's market and looking at the fresh produce and the flowers and buying that stuff. That's my joy factor. So there again, Marie Kondo, you know, a little happiness to you of the whole joy thing. But um, so as you've moved into this space and then, you know, you and Gareth began the whole podcast, how did the podcast and your own personal world how did they start to collide to really bring you even more of this? I'm coming out of the closet. I'm doing my thing. I'm making myself happy. How did all that begin to come together? I, <laughs> I think that's a really interesting part of your story. <laughs> it is a great, it is a great question actually. And I'm laughing now just because I, I have a lot of gratitude for this process. And it's a, it's just been an, literally the most amazing year and a half or just over that, that we've been doing the podcast. And so we've started the podcast. Gareth's like, come on now, I've quit my job and you've moved. This is the time we're going to do this thing now. You know, we've been mm-hmm. speaking about this sort of thing for a while. We met in Holland, which is well overseas, which was epic. That was one of the, the highlights of me moving overseas. You never know why you do these things, but that, later on it becomes apparent. Yep. So we met and we started the podcast, the Ridiculously Human podcast. And it's just been 
we, we spoke about it earlier, Rick, when you start something, mm-hmm. you, you have to put one foot in front of the other and you don't necessarily always know what steps going to happen, but something is going to happen and you will find your way, but take the first steps. And that's exactly what we did. We, we didn't know exactly where we were heading. And the, to answer your question, what's like the combination between my life and the podcast, it's, they're actually so intertwined now that it's hard to discern one from the other. Mm-hmm. So in other words, I wake up and I know that I'm going to receive this epic voice message from Gareth because we're on different time zones. Yep. And that motivates me. And then I, I'm, I want to pull my weight every day because I'm doing this with my, my best buddy, Gareth. Right. And he feels the same way. So we have this, this drive for, for beyond yourself. And so then that just drives me to want to be a better person, not only for myself, but for others. And that accountability, which I think is important to find with someone in your life, has been transformational. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm living my life a billion times more congruently now because of this process of running a podcast, speaking to epic people, understanding other humans more. Yep. It's such a valuable thing to do, and we don't do it enough. Mm-hmm. And I want to call out something that you just said, because it was, a, it was a, a true moment of true value that I think people are going to miss. When you said, when you find someone that you can do this with, that you can do it with. And I think too many of us, myself included, I had for a while been in this space, especially when I was married to my wife. <clears throat> we try to make those closest to us responsible for that. Mm. Instead of letting and allowing the universe to bring the person or people in that really are meant to show up there to do that. So if you're holding your wife or your children or your parents or somebody responsible for that piece, you're not going to find the happiness and the joy. My husband and I worked together for a long time over the last four years off and on in different ways and love him dearly and we have talked about doing something together and we discovered that both of us being coaches that he can't do this thing the way i do it he can't be the entrepreneur he needs people in his life he needs to be out of the house totally cool Mm. but we had to come to that realization now that we know there's still something we're supposed to be doing together but it hasn't yet shown itself to us other than being married and having that life together yes and I, I, when you said that, it took me to that space of, I wish more of us would be secure in ourselves and secure enough in our relationships to know that having that other person, and I have seen, okay, so I'm going to just confess, I've seen these guys together. They are like best buds. They, they, mm-hmm. bounce each, they bounce off of each other, the energy between them. And this is, what, this is why I was pulled to you guys in a casual conversation that we all yeah. had. And then suddenly it was kind of like, okay, all three of our energy, like, okay, it just kind of spun together. Like we know we're supposed to do something. We just, (laughs) if somebody told us a year ago that we would had this and then I was on your show and now you guys, it was kind of just an crazy thing. But sometimes we don't make room for the right people to come in. That's right. Because we're trying to make other people that already exist in our lives be that for us. And it's an interesting, weird codependency. It is. We shouldn't put people on pedestals as well. Mm-hmm. Part of that, I think, comes into it. But I think the moral of the story is that we, 
we achieve our greatest aspirations when we work together and not as, mm-hmm. as individuals. Mm-hmm. And, but like you say, that doesn't have to be with the person you're forcing it to be. Just mm-hmm. like you shouldn't force the gym to be your thing necessarily, whatever. Mm-hmm. Allow the space, as you mentioned, and know that that's what you are looking for. But you don't the, the putting a face or a name on that person and forcing that to happen. I, I agree with you. Isn't necessarily the, mm-hmm. the the sort of the magic, you know. Mm-hmm. It's been interesting as I've worked with people coming out of the closet because <clears throat> a lot of men. Anyway, in my experience, a lot of men that come out later in life who have been married and most, a lot of them have been married for significant amounts of time, as few as 10 years and on up to 25, 30 years when they finally, you know, come out of the closet and figure this all out. And they immediately jump right into another relationship and they immediately try to make that other relationship make up for all the time they've lost. And it doesn't work because they're making something accountable for their journey that doesn't deserve to be accountable for it. And it's the toughest thing that I've seen them do. And then when I started seeing this, I started looking at it. I like, okay, I see it in this world. Now, wait, where else is this happening? And I see it in the entrepreneurial world all the time. Mm -hmm. Somebody sees somebody like a Pat Flynn with smart passive income or a John Lee Dumas with, you know, podcast websites and podcast paradise and any of these like entrepreneurial types that are like kicking ass and taking names yeah. and suddenly they sign up for their program and then they hold them completely responsible for their success. hundred percent. Yeah. And suddenly they're in a codependent relationship with this person that doesn't deserve to be having that codependency layered on them. Mm. And so it's interesting that I observed it first in my coming out work. And now as I continue to like take this coming out stuff into this arena, you, to coin a phrase, you get to see the ridiculousness of human beings because exactly. they do stuff that's so ridiculous that really that's what's hurting them. Yeah. Their but it's still human. That's oh, the, yeah, this still is human. the thing. Yeah. And you still have to figure out you know, within that space that we do silly things, we do the wrong things, we get upset, we, we create codependencies. Mm-hmm. But the more we understand that these things happen, the better we are equipped to maybe do something about it, you know? So what's the most ridiculously human thing you feel like you've done? Good Lord. <laughs> Put you on a big, big spot right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, part of it is just moving, you know, like that was literally one of the craziest things in our lives. You know, everything was good. We were making good cash. Everything felt comfortable. And to why would you shift that? Why would you do that? You know, and, mm-hmm. and that was it really. I mean, there's, there's crazy little other stories that I've done in my life that, that, but if you really look at the bigger picture, that's, you know, that's probably one of the craziest ones because you're talking life changes, you know, yeah. and future affecting changes. Mm-hmm. And you don't, you know, sometimes I, I, I want to play it safe. I'm, I'm, a, I'm yeah. generally a play it safe kind of person. And mm-hmm. uh, so for me, that was the, it was a big, scary thing to do, to be honest. <laughs> Interesting. I, I think for me, one of, the, one of the ones that's paid off the most was when I met my husband, I lived in Orange County, California, and he lived in an area called the Inland Empire, which is very, it's very much a transient kind of, it was at that time kind of transient kind of community because everybody either drove to LA or Orange County or San Diego. There was, you know, everybody was kind of mobile. And um, 
at the time, it was definitely not as put together as where I was living. I was used to everything looks pristine, it's pretty, and all this sort of stuff. And when I decided to move in with him, I'm like, what am I doing? Mm. What am I doing? This isn't, the, this isn't the kind of place that I would live. And I, oh God, I hope he doesn't listen to this. Um, <laughs> well, I think he kind of knows this. But I, I realized many years later that it was the most beautiful place to get to live because it was the thing that began to break down my fucking ego. It began to help me see I can do this. I can be anywhere. And ironically, then, not long after we bought our house together, I lost my job. Wow. And then I was in that space of, okay, well, I can live here. I can do this. And now I'm going to do this thing of being my own boss. But again, mm -hmm. had my ego not been out of the way, I yep. couldn't have done that. And then as I was sharing with you before we got on the podcast, the opportunity to be a speaker at World Domination Summit this past June <laughs> was another one of those moments where I had wanted that so bad. I wanted to be on that stage and I wanted it so bad, but it wasn't time. And as I also shared with you, it's such a parallel to my coming out at 19. I so bad wanted to be out of the closet, but it wasn't my time. Hmm. And I think as you've shared and as we've gone through this conversation today, I think the beauty of us truly being ridiculous humans is sometimes we're so ridiculous about what we think we have to have right then. But the truth is we need to let it happen when it's ready. So true. So true. Well yeah. done. That's when you grow and that's mm -hmm. when you really appreciate. And that's when you're capable of letting go. I mean, I get the whole minimalist stuff that you guys have gone through. That mm -hmm. letting go stuff is scary because our identities are tied up in this stuff. That's right. We tie it up into that stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's all an illusion, really. It is all an illusion. But you, you, I think you hit the nail on the head. If you remove some of that ego, allow a little bit of vulnerability to creep in, mm -hmm. it's amazing what happens in your life. Mm -hmm. And I love that you said a little bit of that vulnerability because it, because, so we're going to go into Craig's realm of working the muscle, you know? <laughs> If you work a little bit of the vulnerability muscle, oh, okay. If you work a little bit of the bold muscle, oh, okay, I can do this. Exactly. And then before you know it, you're working the little bit of a muscle coming out of whatever that closet of life looks like. And then you're working that little bit of a muscle to realize how ridiculous we are as humans. And suddenly each time you use those muscles, it, get, it becomes easier and easier to go, oh yeah, that's a ridiculous human thing I do. Stop. I love that. it. Yeah. What a great analogy. Yeah. So. <laughs> so what's next for you, mate? I know you're doing some great stuff. Anything big, anything new, yeah. I know you're be, you know, traveling shortly to come to the U S for podcast movement, but that's right. What's, what's new for you on the podcast side or on your personal side? I know there's some stuff going on, but some, anything you'd like to share before we wrap it up here? Beautiful. Well, I just want to thank you for your time today. It's been really epic chatting to you. I'm really glad we got that energy whirlwind, as you mentioned earlier in podcast movement last year. That was epic. I'm, I'm just really grateful for that. Um, Gareth and I on the podcast are just ramping things up. We just, we believe that, you know, in this digital world, we, we our humanness is being a bit diluted. We yeah. want to try and explore the humanness more. And so we just want to, and find those connections that we all have with one another. And so that's really our focus now going forward. It's just mm. have genuine, as real as possible conversations with people and explore one another more. And so that, that's really our focus going forward. Got a few things 
on the on the chiropractic side, on the the, the business side with my wife. Uh, so we're going to try all these things. Cool. Part of what I'm looking to do going forward is not be labeled for the rest of my life as Craig the chiropractor, but Craig might actually try other things. Mm. And that's part of the new bold move mm. is to to say, I'm not necessarily directly linked with one thing for my whole life. I might be a podcaster now for a while and then mm. see what happens next. So that's my next sort of uh, play, let's put it that way. I love it. I love it dearly. And I can't wait to see what happens. And again, thanks so much, bro, for being here and being part of this journey with me. And I can't wait to see where you go. So thank you. You great. too, Rick. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life Uncloseted. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about. And you just might help change life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, we'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted. And never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping into living your life uncloseted.